focus on just one word. Jesus' blood has ransomed me. Jared, can you put that put that back up if you can go back? Jesus' blood has ransomed me. Why don't we, why don't we all just have a seat right where we're at right now? I mean, if, if you're comfortable with doing it, just place your hands like this in your lap and, and just receive what God has for you. Jesus' blood has ransomed me. What's a ransom? What's a ransom? Jesus' blood has ransomed me. It's redeemed. It's saved me. Absolutely. He's, he's stepped into the picture, but he's given us the answer. When we didn't deserve it, it's this wonderful word, this ransom, plucked us out of death. It's put grace on our life. You thought about that word? I'm sitting back there. I've sung this song maybe 50 times. I don't know. I've led worship with this song. Not as good as Jeremy has, but I've, I've sung this song. Jesus' blood has ransomed me, and I've skipped over that word so many times. Have you skipped over that word? <laughs> Absolutely. We take that ransom word for granted. It's, it's when we find, really, where we're at with God is we don't deserve it, but, but he ransomed us. He plucked us out of death. So I hear that word, and it's stirring something in me tonight. And then I hear hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And though we're not many here tonight, that hallelujah is, is, is going through time and space and landing on the heart of God and on his ears and making him smile. Hallelujah. I think of heaven. I think what that's going to be like. When all of the saints are gathered, just singing, hallelujah, hallelujah, holy Lord, you're holy. So tonight, I want us just one more time, just close your eyes. Just put your hands out to God. Jesus' blood is ransomed me. just for that word that we can even begin to understand it and comprehend it and then it's a reality of our life if we know who you are thank you so much I pray the rest of our night tonight that your Holy Spirit will continue to prod our mind stir our heart let us be antsy in our seats because you're just teaching us and molding us and shaping us into the people you want us to be I pray that my words tonight are not my words, but they're from you, God. 
I ask everyone in this place right now, just quietly to yourself, pray that, that God will give me clarity of mind and, and the, that the words I speak will come to your heart. So if you would, just pray quietly to yourself for that. It's going to be pretty cool, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a whole lot like this. It's a whole lot like this. A lot more people and a whole lot like this. And I can't, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Well, welcome. Uh, man, this is going to be a good night tonight. If you have your iPhone, you can pull that out or your, your cell phone. Follow along on version. It's on there if you'd like to. Uh, I, I'm... By the way, I just came back from Haiti, and uh, man, that was awesome. Thank you for allowing me to go to Haiti last week and, and to be there. I was able to join Church Project and uh, Jason Shepard, the pastor of that church from the Woodlands, Texas, and there was about 10 of us in, in, in a group, and we ended up flying from Miami to Cap Haitian, which is the northern part of Haiti. Well, if you know Haiti, what happened a little while ago was an earthquake hit the, hit the south side of Haiti, Port-au-Prince. Devastation, terrible, bad stuff going on. Well, it's a third world country, just to start with. It's a third world country. And then we have an earthquake come and devastate Port-au-Prince. So any aid that's now going into Haiti is pretty much going straight down to Port-au-Prince. Much needed, absolutely. However, the people up north are still going, still a third world country, still need a little bit of help up here. And so it was so good to go to the northern part of Haiti, about an hour from a Dominican Republic border, and to see what God's doing there. And even, even cooler than that is we flew in to Cap Haitian. That's a big city, uh, kind of chaotic and all, all that stuff. Then we ended up going to a, a little village, and the name of that village was Savangra. I hope I said that right, but, but Savan, Savan Gras. So I, I wanted to kind of let you, I, I don't know. And what's weird is I speak a little bit of Spanish, not a whole lot. And so they speak Creole there. They would say, you know, hola, or not hola. They would say hi, bonjour, and I would, I would respond in Spanish. I'm like, oh, wait, that's not right. And, and we're partnering with, with a Church Project down in Houston, and we're able to kind of join these trips and do some incredible things. And one of the things is that, that clean water that's there, that's running from a, a stream, or not a stream, but a fresh water spring up the mountain and, and down to, you know, to where their village is. It's about 800 yards from there to there. And uh, that pipe is PVC pipe that's kind of laying on the ground. And so rocks will come and, and kind of crush the pipe, or they'll get leaks in it, or animals will step on it. And so they're always run out of water. So one of the projects is, is we're going to replace that with some really thick hose that, that'll with stand the, the weather, all that stuff. But what we can do, well, one thing that's really neat is at this village, Savangra, uh, the missionaries we connected with will go up and we hike up to this place and when we get up there, uh, they, they have done what they call a village remake and we'll join in on this. It's where they, they go in, they're able to build a building. You saw the Savangra Church, which acts as a school as well. So now this remote village, um, way off the road, you suddenly get a church building and they get a school building. And um, then we try to support kids. We try to raise support for these, these little children. And they get, with that support, they get uh, uniforms. 
And they get a pastor brought in that can live in that village with them. And that pastor also acts as, as like the headmaster for the school. School teachers are brought in, and every single day they get food. And so this is something that we can't do. We can be praying about, okay, maybe God's asking you, asking us to go ahead and try to adopt or support some of those, those children. And I got to tell you, in this little remote village, you, don't, you wouldn't know it, but there's a huge mountainside. And as you look around, you can't see how or anything, but when we walked into that school building, there were about 50 children in there that have come all around because they're sponsored. Well, I started talking to the pastor and stuff. There's another 50 or so children that have that do not have sponsorship that are just out in the little jungle area. And so, to me, that is incredibly sad, and I believe we can do something. So begin praying already. You're going to hear more about that. But as I, as I was looking around Haiti, or as you look around any kind of third world country, or you look around places that just are, are in need, you know, economics, or, you know, they're just in, they're just in need. You, ask, you have to ask that question, and, and I asked this to a couple people there, a couple pastors even, is what's the biggest need in Haiti? What's the biggest need here? Well, as you look there, it's, it's easy to say, well, economics, money. Money is the, the biggest need there. Until I started thinking about this, I was like, man, America, I wonder, one, some of our biggest problems in America is because we have too much. We have too much money. We have too much stuff. And, and so one of the biggest problems is Haiti is they have too little resources and, and it hurts. So obviously money's not the problem because we have too much and, we, and we're not the best. They have too little and they're not the best. So money's not the biggest problem. You know what the biggest problem is? The biggest need is that Jesus isn't known there. It's, it's Jesus isn't known here. In America, Jesus isn't known is the biggest problem. Money is not the problem. It's the name of Jesus. His name not being known is the problem. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. My family and I, a couple years ago, had the opportunity to live in Mexico as missionaries. And, and previous to this, we'd live in some pretty affluent suburban areas. Lots of money, nice cars, all that good stuff. Not us, but the areas. <laughs> I mean, nothing against like a Chevy Cavalier, but it's not a Mercedes. But we've, we've lived in some nice areas. And I, I remember one time, it was with one of my daughters. We went down into Matamoros, Mexico, which was right near where we were living. And in Matamoros, Mexico, we went to a very, uh, like the city dump. And these people were living pretty much on trash piles in the city dump. And my daughter was with me. And as we pulled out, I remember her looking at me and, and saying, why are they so happy? Why are they so happy? She saw smiles of kids running on trash, flies everywhere in the heat, and asking, why are you so happy? Why are they so happy? And I remember thinking, man, the truth of the true source of joy began to take root in my, in my daughter's mind. She began to see that where we were at in the woodlands with all that money and all that stuff and where we were at in Oklahoma with all that money and all that stuff wasn't necessarily the answer to life, right? And, and even where these little children were at, were in the dumps and all that stuff, that's the circumstances that they're in. But joy, joy bounces over circumstances. It doesn't matter if you're a third world country or if you're America with a lot of money or debt or whatever it may be. It jumps over circumstances when you have the joy of the Lord. Would you agree with that? 
So as my, as my daughter saw the faces of these children playing in the dumps, it breaks your heart that they're in the dumps. However, it makes you jump for joy because you know that there's a joy of the Lord in their heart. Amen? I've traveled enough. Not a ton. I've traveled enough. Where when I go into cities like Capation, like I did last week, and we're driving through the cities, uh, it doesn't scare me anymore that there's no control. Uh, cars are going this way, motorcycles. I actually kind of like it. This one was a little weird. We were sitting in the back of a flatbed, and I was watching the side view of how close we were actually coming to like people's heads and motorcycles and all that stuff, thinking, how is he doing this? I don't know. We never got in a wreck. But that doesn't scare me anymore. And even the fact that when we're driving and there's huge piles of trash and all that stuff, you know, it it doesn't really do much for me anymore because I've seen a lot of this. Have any of you ever traveled and seen some of these pictures like this? It doesn't really make me incredibly sad because I'm cold-hearted, right? No. I see circumstances and it breaks my heart, but those are just circumstances. You know what gets me? What gets me is when I get on the plane and I start flying back to America. And because I have to have the window seat, I look at the ocean or I look at the land and I stink because I haven't taken a shower. And I start replaying everything that that I've just experienced or I've just seen. And when I start replaying these things that I've just seen or whatever, it brings tears to my eyes. And I think of this truth in Luke 12.48. Luke 12.48, you probably know it, says this. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been given or has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Write this down. Do much with your much. Do much with your much. In Luke 12, 48, it says, When you've been given much, much more will be asked. Here's a couple of questions. Did you drive in a car here tonight? Are you listening to this message on a podcast or on a computer? Do you have electricity? Have you paid someone to make your food for you? As in going out to eat? Okay? Are you educated? Do you know how to read? Are you healthy? Do you have hobbies? What do you do in your free time? Or do you have any spare or extra anything? We have been given much. Do much with your much. So as I'm face planted against the airplane and I'm flying back from these places and seeing these, these faces replaying in my mind and, and seeing the spaces replaying in my mind, this truth of God has given me so much radiates in my heart and it radiates in my mind and absolutely it does within the physical sense because I know I can give up coffee and I literally can support a pastor and his family for a month by me giving up coffee. So I think in the practical sense, 
sense, yes, I've been given a lot and I can give that up. You know where I start going though? I start going into the spiritual sense and I start saying, he has given us so much. As in, if you know who Jesus Christ is and you've asked him into your heart and into your life, he hasn't given you so much, he's given you everything. Everything. And that bounces over every circumstance that comes in life. It bounces over every good mood or bad mood that comes in your life because you've been given not much. You've been given everything. One of the cool things I got to do in Haiti is I got to meet with 18 Haitian pastors. What an honor. They found out that there was an American pastor at this place I was staying, and they got on their tick-ticks or whatever they call them, their motorcycles that are unsafe, and three guys get on them. It's, incre- it's weird. They get on them, but they came from two, mile- from two hours in all directions to meet. Not only that, they came a couple hours early. And not only that, they wore their best shirts and their ties. And they sat there. And I'm sitting there and I walk in the room and these pastors are here waiting to hear what I have to say. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I don't know what you're going through. I can't even relate to what you're going through. I'm looking at 18 men and women that are living a life that I have no idea what's going through. But yet, I had a word for them. I had a word for them because I've been praying for them since the time I landed and the time I found out that I was going to be there. And it was this, 2 Corinthians 4.7. Do you know this verse? Write this one down. 2 Corinthians 4.7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I want to read that again. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And so as I'm sitting there, I love sitting with pastors. But as I'm sitting there with Haitian pastors... My word to them was, God, because he's in you, he's given you everything, will use you to accomplish some amazing things. You will see church buildings planted in the middle of nowhere. You will see faces start to get nourishment. You will see all this stuff happening. It's going to be supernatural power because God is in you. And if you ever stand up and say, look what I have done, you have lost it. And in fact, beyond that, God has given us so much. He has given us treasures, the biggest treasures you can imagine, which is his son to live inside us, broken jars of clay, so that when the world sees what's happening and what God is using us to accomplish, they'll say, Aaron couldn't do that. Aaron couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. They can't help but say, look what God has done and glory to God. You agree with that? I'm looking with these pastors. I'm looking at us. And this is a word for us. Just saying, God is going to use you to do incredible, incredible things. And when it happens, it's because of Him and not because of us. Man has created some impressive stuff. Think about it. Dams still blow my mind driving through the mountains and all of a sudden you see a a, a concrete wall going from here all the way over there and I'm like how is that built? I mean I I try to build little mud dams and I know how much work that takes. It takes a lot to build a dam and I'm like that's pretty impressive. High rises that reach beyond the clouds. I've been in high rises before that I look down into the clouds. Man has built that. That's impressive. Okay jets that break sound barriers, shuttles that go to the moon, chapels and castles 
castles and cruise ships and art, all these things that man has created yet can be destroyed. Can be destroyed. And so I'm thinking, if I'm God, I'm creating something uh, way more durable, way more permanent, way more reliable, way more predictable than humans to put my treasure in. God says, I've given you treasures and I've put it in your body so that when people see power, they know it's not from you. They know it's me. Haitian pastors, it's not your power. American pastors, it's not your power. Christians, it's not your power. It's the power of the Lord. Do much with your much. You have been given treasures that are greater than anything else. And sure, you've been given treasures of time, talent, and all that stuff, gifts and all that, but you've been given the biggest treasure of all time, which is Jesus Christ. You've been adopted into his family. What are you doing with that? That's awesome. Does that give you goosebumps? So I'm talking to these pastors and I'm saying, man, guys, God's going to do cool stuff so the world can see him, right? And then I said this, Ephesians 5.14. This is for all of us. Jeremy has this one memorized. This is what Ephesians 5.14 says. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And I'm saying, pastors, and I'm saying, Christians, all of us, wake up! We have the light of God and we should be able to climb to the highest citadel mountain and we should be able from the top of our voice just say, wake up! And shout it out because there's people in need and people that are hurting and they need to know the love and the light of God and we can scream that out. And as pastors and as Christians, I want to ask you a question. And this is the question that I ask us today. You've been given much. You've been given everything. Are you asleep? Are you casually strolling through this life? Are you asleep? Are you missing it? Because there's a world that's dying. Physically, yes, but I'm not so concerned about that. What I'm concerned about is the spiritual eternities of people, the souls of people. And God has given us everything. Are we shouting it out at the blue mug? Are we shouting it out on the school campus? Are we shouting it out for all of northern Colorado to see? We've been given everything. Do much with your much. I want to show you a little video that will illustrate this a, a little bit better. It will put it in a different context. The question is the same. Maybe this is you. Maybe some of these truths will relate and radiate in your heart. So go ahead and watch this video.
Remember? You were young. You could change the world. You could have done anything. You didn't. You got stuck. You paid bills. You went to work. You came home. Then you did it again and again. You never meant to. You never wanted to walk away from your dream, the calling God placed on your life. But you look at yourself, and you wonder how you got where you are. You have a choice. You still do. You could live outside of yourself, but something bigger than yourself. He's saying, I've gifted you with everything. I've given you your talents. I've given you your life. Don't let time steal that from you. Don't you dare get comfortable with it. The world needs us to stand up and to say, Are you hurting? We have the answer. We have it. Because our God can feed the hungry, can heal the sick, raise the dead, give blind to the people that are, that are sight to the people that are blind. He can give hope when people are walking in despair. He can renew lives. So I want to ask us a couple questions. Will you let time talk you out of your dreams? What God has placed in you? Tomorrow you're going to wake up. You're going to do something. Is that the something that God's asked you to do? And is that the person God's asked you to be? I went to this base that we were sleeping in. It was really safe. You in on all three sides of us. Bob wire, guns, the works. Felt pretty safe. And I met a pretty incredible man. Don't even know his last name. We called him Papa George. Papa George is from North Carolina. Papa George has been going to Capation for the last 10 years. And he gives up a month at a time. Papa George is, how can we say it? In the sage age. You know what I'm saying? In the, in the sage age. He's a little old. I mean, he has kind of problems walking. But Papa George is on his third week of being there for, you know, four weeks this time. And what he, his job is, he's very good at, at building uh, wood, you know, working with wood. And he's been building these benches to put in one of those churches into one of those schools so these kids can sleep on these, or sit on these benches instead of on the ground. And Papa George has been doing this for 10 years, going and just using what God's given him to actually do something and make a difference. And I'm thinking, Papa George could be sitting on a beach right now, 
tired, right? He could. Actually, no, what he's choosing to do is go get, oh, I got a lot of bug bites, but he's, he's going to be there for four, four weeks this year, and he's going to build these benches, and he's going to get bug bites, and he's not going to have air condition, and he's going to eat a lot of rice, a lot of rice, and a lot of beans. This is what Papa George is doing, because he knows that he's been given much, and he's going to do much with his much. He's going to take that little much that he has, and he's going to let God double it. In fact, it's kind of like a God exponential thing. That little much that Papa George can do, God will take it and just reproduce it over and over and over and over again. But George, Papa George knows that all he has to do is be faithful with the little much that he's been given. Are you doing much with your much? And I want to ask us all right now, just, just to kind of get very introspective and maybe just close your eyes and, and just, just think about this, okay? The number one thing I want to ask you today is, yeah, I can look around and say, I think most of you are Christians, if not all of you, but I want to ask you this, are you acting? Do you really know who Jesus is? Because if you don't know who Jesus is, you don't have much of anything. Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is how you then suddenly have much. So I want to ask you that, first and foremost. If you're acting, you know. It would be a great shame if any of us walked out of this room not knowing if we knew that we had a relationship with God, a personal one, a vibrant one, one that was growing. So don't you dare leave this place without making sure you know that you are alive in God. Something I want you to think about. Have you walked away from what God has created you for? Have you walked away from what God has created you for? The last thing I want us to think about, we've said it a lot already, are you doing much with your much? I'm not going to end there tonight. I mean, it would be a great spot to end. Because this is a rallying message. This is a message of wake up and go do something. Absolutely it is. But if we ended there, it would not be good. Where we need to end is what we've talked about multiple times at Project Salt. Be, do, be. We spent a lot of time on the do tonight and talking about what God is asking us to do and prodding us to do and to wake up and to shout. But tonight, when we lay our head on our pillow, are you going to be content having a relationship with Jesus Christ and being who God created you to be? That's the most important thing. Laying your head on your pillow tonight and smiling. Better than that, laying your head on your pillow tonight and having a tear roll down your cheek because you know that God loves you and you don't deserve it. Wonderful grace. Amazing grace. Jesus Christ has ransomed me. Yeah, Jesus Christ has ransomed me. Hallelujah. 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 He's ransomed me. 
And when we get to that point where we smile tonight, our tomorrow morning is a lot better. And what we're doing is simply because of who we know. And who we are in Him. I like you, man. You're right here. Tell <laughs> I put it really simply to, to my daughters like this. And we've talked about this here. Jesus loves you. Not because of what you do with these fingers. But because you have these fingers. He loves you. Because he's created you. That's awesome. I want to pray for us tonight. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us and creating us. Thank you for giving us much. Thank you for giving us everything. A relationship with you. Adopted into your family? A child of a king? Princes and princesses? I don't understand it. Thank you. I pray in each of our hearts right now that you continue to bubble something. Bubble something. A love for you and a love for your people. So that wherever we go, we can't help but smile and talk and see and shout and yell from the tallest mountaintops how much you love them. I pray that as we leave here and as we go about our week, that God, we won't see life the same way. We won't see our car the same way. We won't see our circumstances the same way. We'll actually ask the question, and it'll, everything will beg the question, how does this bring glory to you, God? With our pencils and our cups of coffee, with our talents, with our life, how does this bring glory to you, God? In each of our hearts and in each of our minds, prod us to what you're teaching us today. It's going to be different for every single one of us. That's the joy of your Holy Spirit. I pray tonight is a night that we can look back on and we'll look in our journal and we'll say something happened on that night in April 2012. Something happened that night that radiated through the rest of my life. Maybe that was the night I stopped acting was the night you woke me up or maybe God I pray more importantly for everything that was the night that we all smiled and realized how much you love us just purely loved us for no reason and it confused us but we got it we really got it yeah